Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it begins. Pittsburgh pursuit of the seventh Lombardi Trophy. The season comes ushered in on the shoulders of an excited but expectant Steelers fan base. Many view this year as the last in an era where the window has been wide open to the possibility of a renewed dynasty. Even though in the 13-year Ben era, this team has won two Super Bowls, two conference championships, seven division titles, and has never gone below 500. Steelers Nation somehow feels cheated. Maybe the bar was forever set 42 years ago when Pittsburgh began its streak, winning a superlative four Super Bowls in six years. That success, now an ominous shadow over this current team, possessors of a king's ransom and offensive riches. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, September 3rd, 2018, Episode 54, This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. Nicholas, so it begins. Okay, so I have four main ideas, four main thoughts on this whole Josh Dobbs situation. The first one is he improved this year. Yeah. Um, Is that saying a lot? No, that's not saying a lot at all. Last year, he was a glorified tackling dummy with a, just an inefficient jugs machine for a throwing arm. He could throw the ball past the line of scrimmage, but it didn't usually go to anyone, at least anyone on the Steelers team. So did he improve on that? Definitely. Well, not by a ton, but he got a little bit better. Um, what I liked about him in that game against the Panthers, it was cool seeing him ball out like that against those semi-professional football players who won't be in the NFL this year the majority of them. Um, I did think he did some cool things there in terms of you could tell that that dude was playing for his job. He was playing for his life. He was taking huge hits to the dome, like you were saying, and he was launching the ball downfield. He, he went for the John Elway touchdown helicopter dive at the end zone. That was all cool, and that's great, but that shouldn't be enough to gain a job. I mean, I guess we can both agree that he improved this year. Maybe you can relate that back to Hey, Landry was horrific his first two years. He was still horrific at this time, even in preseason football. So you could make the argument, hey, he already improved in this area. He could keep improving, and he offers some athleticism that we don't have on other quarterbacks. And sometimes that can be useful for a backup. 
So you use the word athleticism, and I'm wondering if we're just going to do the wildcat. Because if you think about it, if Landry wasn't there, or um, I'm sorry, if Josh wasn't there, there's no escapability. There's no escapability without Josh Dobbs. So maybe it's a new strategic offensive strategy. Yeah, you just have to throw the ball to the open guy. And that, I mean, that's. No, I'm just saying he's going to run it. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe not a wildcat because that's the running back who sits back there, but like a read option. I actually kind of like that idea from a backup. I sort of feel like it's like what you said before. People got to learn what to expect with a backup. And this whole Nick Foles thing, they want to make a big deal about it. How horrific was Nick Foles before that NFC Championship game? He was bad. They were talking about putting Nate Sudfeld in. And then he played great NFC Championship and played one of the best Super Bowls a quarterback has ever played. And what has he done in this preseason? He has been terrible. The Eagles offense hasn't even scored with him on 10-plus drives, right? So Nick Nick Foles had the uh, game like the Bishop did in Caddyshack, if you're old enough to remember that. That's right. Storm, God, sending lightning, lightning, exactly, right. He did, and... That's why it's one of the coolest stories ever because this wasn't like some diamond in the rough. Just something about Nick Foles. Sometimes he just balls out and throws seven touchdown passes like he did in his first start or beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Or sometimes he plays like he's playing now in the preseason. So maybe it's when you have nothing to lose. And Josh Dobbs was at the end of his rope. Yeah. And as you said, he balled out. He did. But let's look at what he did the rest of the preseason. He was terrible. Not only he, he wasn't just average or mediocre. He was terrible. Those two unbelievable uh, James Washington touchdown pass, uh, touchdown catches, those both should have been interceptions. Those were thrown really poorly. And then I think he also underthrew James Washington when he had 10 yards on his defender for a 70-yard touchdown in that game, right? And what did he do the next game? Came out, threw a pick six on his first play, right? I mean, he played bad in the preseason. Did he improve? Yes, he was no longer the worst quarterback. He was just a bottom five or ten. That's probably an exaggeration. It wasn't bottom five or ten. But you look at that, like, he didn't even play that well in this preseason. And then when he played against the Panthers, it was like, yeah, that was pretty good. So I'll just ask, I mean, are they trying to save money? What did they say, $3 million because we don't have yeah, Landry it's anymore? Yeah, at that, at that point. So it's a conundrum. It, it is really interesting. We'll never know the answer. I agree with you. I can't believe they traded Landry or they dropped Landry for Josh Dobbs. So Josh so Dobbs had a Landry's a, a, a starter or anything like that. But here's here's my next point about him. Um, the steel and, it, and it's in regards to the Steelers going all in to chase a championship this year. We talked about this a lot before the draft, before free agency, and all that stuff. What are the Steelers going to do when it comes to adding pieces to the cupboard? Are they going to go all in to try and get another trophy in the cabinet? Or are they going to try and worry about three, four years from now, right? So everything they've done this summer has really just it's been a failure. They haven't tried to do that at all. It seems like they're trying to plan for the future. I mean, the obvious one is the Mason Rudolph pickup, which seems ridiculous. Honestly, listen, I get it. Yes, it makes some sort of sense if you want to plan for the future. But let's be honest. Once Ben's out of here, I mean, everyone's leaving at the same time too, right? This is our last chance. That's what we talked about. They did not find a way to secure legitimate starters at middle linebacker and safety. We're sitting here going into the first game with basically the same problem we had in the last game, right? John Bostick obviously is better than Sean Spence, but he's not. he has not been good in the preseason. 
Morgan Burnett has been injured the whole time. He's basically Mike Mitchell. We just brought in another uh, kind of slower veteran, right? Le'Veon Bell. They couldn't get him signed to a deal because they didn't want to uh, infringe on their guaranteed money tradition, right? So they lost one of the best players in the NFL. And then now you can make the argument that Dobbs is going to improve like Landry did. And I'm, I totally believe that. I mean, he showed some improvement now. He could keep going. But my thing is Ben, you know, he's been kept up right for the past few years, but he, he'll miss one or two games a year where you have to come in for him because he hurts his foot or something like that. And I'd rather have Landry Jones coming in to do that than Josh Dobbs or Mason Rudolph at this point. And it's just a bummer to me that it's like, I, I wonder if they just don't want to admit that they were wrong in drafting Josh Dobbs or if they really think that's their best idea for someone who could go in and win a game if Ben has to miss one this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, as we've said before, what, what is, the, is, is, there, uh, is this all business or is there emotion and ego involved? And clearly there's emotion and ego involved. I'll ask you, um, so moving on to the running back. So Jalen Samuels made the team, and Fitz the Fumbler yeah. got cut. Yeah. I'm not even sure he's on the – I'm not sure uh, Jalen Samuels showed enough. Yeah, I'm not sure Jalen Samuels showed me enough. I mean, I think Fitz, multidimensional guy, he can return kicks, and he's an adequate uh, running back. It's interesting, yeah. I mean, he's cheap. I mean, Samuels, that's another one where we thought he played well, but and, – and we haven't seen everything in practice, but usually you hear about guys, and it didn't sound like he was lighting the world on fire, and – that sort of sounds like another one where they're like, I mean, how much better is he at catching passes than Fitz Toussaint? Fitz Toussaint's a pretty good pass catcher. Yeah, I guess looking for the future, saving a couple there. bucks, that doesn't make, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I want their guy in there. We drafted him, he needs to stick. Moving on to wide receiver, which, sorry, uh, if you had any more about the wide receiver, uh, running back, I was going to move on That's to it. wide receiver. Yeah, go for it. So I was doing an analysis of the rosters over the last three years. We only have, Two of the six receivers uh, that we had six year, two, two years ago, Antonio and DHB. Actually, one receiver and DHB. Everybody else is new in the last year or two. Justin Hunter, Juju, James Washington, and now Ryan Switzer. Yeah. Which well, means you we'll only see. really have four real wide receivers. receivers. I mean, Ryan Switzer, he's got some potential, but he only has four – he had four catches last year, so that's not – you really don't know what you got going on back there. Um, I, I spoke too soon when I said I didn't have anything to say about the running backs. You know that while this podcast is being recorded, Le'Veon Bell still isn't even in the city of Pittsburgh. Marquise Pouncey and a lot of people seem to be uh, adamantly suggesting that he'll be in Pittsburgh by Wednesday, which is when the actual practice week starts – but uh, I don't know. <laughs> that guy held out. Man, you could have some issues. Although I wouldn't feel like it's a total disaster. I don't think it's going to happen. But if it did, I do sort of feel like you're in okay hands with James Conner and uh, the Riddler and, and Samuels. Well, I can only worry about the guys that are in camp, as I, uh, mm. Mike Tomlin, I'm sure, would say. If Le'Veon doesn't show, I'm not sure how this works. Do you not have him on the roster and bring somebody, bring Fitz back. So you have four, do you even care that you have four running backs or is, you can just go into the season with Connor Ridley and Samuels? Uh, they go with three. And the assumption is once 
uh, Le'Veon gets added to the active roster, or the Riddler or Samuels is going to – Samuels will get dropped down to the practice squad or the Riddler will get released. We don't know which one that will be. So that will be interesting to see too. Um, I'm just so checking as you speak. If, if Le'Veon doesn't get there. Okay, but Le'Veon's already on the active roster. He's been named to the active roster. That's right. my question. Well, he's on the depth chart, right? It's kind of weird. No, he's on he the active roster. roster. He carries yeah. a roster exemption, which is it, it's some exception for him. Is that like the our, answer is no? Um, they don't they don't dress they don't dress four running backs for any games. Okay, I was just wondering, is that like our rugby player exemption, Scott? Similar, but for like a good player. You want to get into Sorry, the Browns guys. game? I mean, we could go all day. There's no other real big surprises. We, it is nice to see that some uh, undrafted free agents got into got onto the team with Ola Adenier uh, at outside linebacker, the mini James Harrison. That's pretty cool. Uh, actually, there's breaking news about Ola. He's been tra- He's on injured reserve now. He's been dropped in reserve, and that has been brought in. Ola will be six weeks. Sure. If you have to, you have to sit on Twitter the entire time if you want to know what's going on right now. You do. It, it, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, no. I want to move on to the Cleveland game, which we're facing on Sunday, first game of the year. Cleveland is absolutely revamped. Seven yeah. new players on offense, five new players on defense, and these guys. I, I actually went through this on defense. There's a rookie and four second-year players. I mean, there's a lot of youth on this team, but a lot of talent. And they got Turd Haley as their offensive coordinator. I think that's as big of an of an addition as anybody else almost. I mean, so they're just getting off hard knocks. They are super vamped up. Obviously, they got Baker Mayfield in the draft. They got Tyrod Taylor. They brought over Le- LeRon Landry. Wait, jeez, not LeRon Landry. That guy, uh, that guy had a upper body Jarvis. that was six feet wide. We're talking about Jarvis Landry. And they got some guys who have added some attitude. And I'm sure they got an offensive coordinator who will add a scandal or two and some drunken incident in Cleveland bars. But so what I'm trying to say is they got attitude and they think they're good now. And I got to be honest, they got a ton of talent. I mean, that's how the league works. You suck as bad as the Browns do. We try to give you players and Granted, they only have about half of their draft picks from the past three years, if that, not even. Um, but they got some real players. And this team with Deshaun Kaiser should have beat the Steelers in the opener last year if it weren't for Antonio Brown literally taking over the game, taking the team and putting it on his back, though, and leading them to the promised land. So I, uh, I think the Steelers will be more prepared for a slow Le'Veon start in this first game, but... I wouldn't even – it would be an upset if the Browns won this game, but it wouldn't be shocking. That being said, I feel like the Steelers maybe were sleeping last year and they might be a little bit more prepared for them, especially with all the press around the Browns and the familiarity. Yeah, speaking of the Browns and first game jitters or first game win or loss, I mean, it is a very difficult first third of the season. Opening with the Cleveland Browns, moving mm. to the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't want to take that for granted as much success as we have, but then going to Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Falcons, Cincinnati. Yeah. The whole schedule is brutal this year. I don't know where the Steelers rank in strength of schedule, but the only, I mean, 
there's really no games on here when you're looking through it that are easy. So you got to get the one against the Browns to start. I mean, you're basically playing at home, at Ben's home uh, in Cleveland there, where he is the father of that stadium. And uh, you got to get it going. I do think the Steelers will win, but, man, they got a lot of talent. Also, I mean, the guy to be watching in this game is Miles Garrett for the Browns, the defensive tackle who was taken – or defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive, defensive. He's basically Atlas, the guy who carries the globe on his shoulders. That's basically Miles Garrett. He is now looking like the embodiment of talent that is required um, uh, to become a number one overall pick in the NFL draft. He has been dominating in the preseason, and uh, yeah, he's going to be coming out uh, ready to try and tackle Ben, which he's obsessed with doing. As acknowledged by Alejandro Villanueva. Indeed. I don't know if you saw the interview. He did say, somebody asked him about uh, the roster cut down. He said, look, I only have one worry on Sunday. It's number 95. Yeah. Well, he's right. That's going to be difficult. Because <laughs> that guy's a beast. Hey, and look, you know, we are. Tony Haley's got some familiarity. So. We are on the precipice of something we've been waiting on for months. So we're very excited about kicking off our regular, our regular shows where we can talk about games instead of fake games and rumors that don't turn out to be true. Yeah. And, and we really appreciate backup quarterbacks. Uh, it'll be interesting because there are guys who are injured who are going to come back onto the roster. So it'll be interesting to see who drops off of the current roster. Okay, you're nodding. I don't have any more analysis about this, but we appreciate you listening to the Steelers Outpost podcast. We do this each week. We get it out by Monday, Labor Day, so we did get out Monday this week. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. So we are trying to make this show as informative and entertaining as possible. And we'd love to get your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at Gmail. Until next week, the first game of the 2018 season, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Woohoo! Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.